Hello and welcome to another Spiritual Abuse Podcast. My name is Eddie. And I'm Joseph. And I'm Hannah. And we are really excited today. One, I'm excited to have Hannah on here as a third co-host, but also we're excited to have Mashaya um, with us. Mashaya is a good friend of ours, and um, she has some interesting experiences, um, so much to unpack, um, according to her, um, from her time in um, Bible school, uh, specifically as an intern. Um, so with Eddie having a background and working in a Bible school, um, he knows that it can get a little messy when it comes to intern programs and aspiring to work in full-time ministry. But I, it's not my story. I don't want to take it away from her. Um, so without further ado, we want to just introduce Mashiah. Welcome to the show, Mashiah. Welcome. Hello, hello. How are you guys feeling? <laughs> We're doing oh. good. Well, truthfully, <laughs> good. I feel like I'm, I have the flu. So if you hear a <laughs> cough in the background that I missed edit out, I'm sorry, but... <laughs> But that's why so, Hannah's here to support. So, Mashaya, <laughs> we're we're so glad to have you on our podcast, and we, we want to let you know this is a safe place. This is an open place, and <coughs> excuse me, I got choked up. <coughs> don't don't cry. Do we need to like do the what is it called the Heimlich thingy? <laughs> <laughs> I think so. Is he okay? I don't know. Yeah, okay. He's giving us a thumbs up. Okay. <laughs> I was like, all right, we got 911 on speed this dial. It's going to be like... so funny to go back and edit. <laughs> I am so sorry. I got choked on my own spit. So, Mashiah, we, we, we want to hear your story. Uh, you know, this is the Spiritual Abuse Podcast, and we've had a, uh, a number of guests in who have kind of shared their story on where they've come from and what they've been through, and I know that Hannah and Joseph said that you have a great story. So tell us a little bit about yourself, and let's hear about your story. All right. Yeah, definitely trying to plug in my laptop here. I'm sorry, guys. Okay, we are good to go. All right, bingo. So, so yeah, um, thanks again for having me a part of your podcast. I feel like this is <laughs> such an important topic to talk about within, you know, the church or within the Christian community or honestly any type of religion because there's so much abuse that happens within the church that people just don't feel comfortable talking about um and so do you just want me to kind of start from like the beginning give it a little intro of like where i was yeah let us know where you're from and what, what's and how you got where you got awesome so i'm originally from minnesota my parents are actually split so one of my parents lived in the cities which is the twin cities minneapolis st paul and the other one lived in mankato minnesota so Two totally different dynamics when it comes to uh, living country life and city life, right? Um, but, you know, I knew that I was called to go this, to this specific college, and so I ended up going there, and I was a part of an internship. I'll be completely honest with you guys, though. I didn't want to go to real college, so I just went to, like, a Bible college to get my mom off, her, off my back. Uh, and so... Uh, with that being said, I joined an internship because I wanted to seem like I was doing something important, right? And so... So, so for our listeners that may yes. not understand, what it, explain what an internship is. So an internship is essentially, you know, you devote nine months to a year to an organization. And, um, well, I'll give like the clean version, like what you would assume it would be. Essentially, you go there, you develop, you learn about who you are, um, especially in like the Christian community when you're a part of a Bible college or a church. You're, you know, diving deeper with your relationship with God. Um, you know, you're learning a lot of different things, whether it's how to handle the mission field, whether it's in a different country or if it's, you know, in your own city or in your own neighborhood. Um, and, and how much do they pay you to come do that? Absolutely nothing. Did you have really? to pay to go do that? Definitely did. Um, probably around, gosh, I don't even know. I can't even like remember. I just remember that I was broke. I didn't. I wasn't able to have a job because you weren't allowed to. Um, and I had to Wait, cough up. You weren't like, allowed to have a job. No, we weren't allowed pay? to have a job. Nope. Uh, and you know that was a part of the commitment. And we were basically told, God will provide it. You know, and so we had to like really lean on that, um, that theory and all that stuff, which I believe God will. Right. I mean, clearly he did like look where I'm at. Right. But, you know, it's it was probably about two grand a quarter, potentially. Maybe maybe it was a grand. I'll have to like go back and look. But it was somewhere around there um, that you're paying for. Plus, you're paying for the housing that you're living at, too. And so um, 
which was really interesting, though, because what I thought I had signed up for was, you know, this internship that traveled around the world, right? Now, that I am down to pay for in that aspect because I just, I want to go on these trips. I want to be with a group of people, all this stuff. But what they didn't tell us is our year was a pilot year um, and they were practicing, or they were trying, or sorry, they were piloting a new system. And instead of us going out to different countries like Mexico and, and Russia and, you know, Asia and Africa, like all these different countries, we were actually only doing quote unquote missions at the church. If that makes sense. In-house missions. In-house. Yes. Because their whole thing was, how do you expect to do missions, you know, around the world if you can't do missions within your own community? Yeah. Your mission field is your own backyard. Correct. And so, um, so yeah, so they ended up having um, internships around the the church. So whether it was in the urban ministry or the youth or the kids or the missions office um, it, or hospitality, it was literally just like free labor, essentially, but for the church. So you you paid to do what a normal church volunteer would basically do with extra hours and a little bit more responsibility. Um, I would say, yeah, like I, well, when it comes to a little bit more responsibility, granted we did a lot, but like we were doing stuff that staff members were doing. That's a shame. Yeah. And less sleep. Right. You know? And so again, you're paying for housing, you're paying for the internship and all of this stuff, but you're basically showing up to like work every day. By the way, just a quick interjection. I, I was studying something uh, a couple of weeks ago, and one of the main, I, I hate to use the word tactic, that's not the word I'm looking for, but uh, a, a way that they can in different uh, places make you more compliant is uh, wearing you out and lack of sleep. And with lack of sleep, you're so run down that you, it's harder and harder for you to say no to anything. And especially when you're in a situation like that where you're supposed to be there serving God, uh, you know, it's always, there's always a God card involved too. So uh, that makes it difficult to ever say no, because if you say no to them, you're saying no to God. Well, to actually add on to that too, what they ended up doing, there was basically like a two week trial run. Maybe it was a week, week or two week trial run where essentially we were all interns, right? Doing different things and yada, yada, yada. Well, leading up to the last like 48 hours of this trial run, we were supposed to commit to not having any um, access to our cell phones or Wi-Fi or the internet or anything. And it was just supposed to be us and God. And we were supposed to pray if uh, this internship is what we're supposed to be in. Now, leading into this, um, they had mentioned there's, you know, there's, they haven't had a year yet. We're all, you know, 40 of you committed to um, to actually falling th- or going through with all of this. You know, it's always, you know, there's always like one or two people that decide that this this internship's not for them. Uh, so what they ended, you know, they say that before and then they're like, so with that being said, we want you guys to pray for the next 48 hours. It's called the like blackout 48 or something like that. And, you know, at the end of that 48 hours, if God tells you, yes, you know that you're supposed to commit to the next nine months. Oh, wow. And so leading, if that kind of makes sense. So leading into what you were kind of saying, Eddie, is that we had, quote unquote, had that commitment to God. Now, I I will say, too, like, again, I know God speaks and all of that. But you, I, I also feel like there's a level of kind of what you said, like, oh, God told me that I had to commit to this. And now if I say no, I'm going against his will. Right. If that makes sense. And I'll be honest, like when you're like young and your faith and you're going to this internship and all of this stuff, you're still kind of trying to figure out what is God's voice in all of this, you know? And, right. and, and I feel like, and you to know, put a time on it, 48 right, hours. Right. Like, he works like that. Yeah. Right. And so in, in, in my mind, I just feel like, it's hard when you say if God tells you yes and you have to commit to whatever we tell you to do when when you don't really in reality know. But then they're like, well, God is the all knowing, you know, he knows mm-hmm. what you're going to commit to. And if he says yes, he knows what you're going to go through. And I'll be completely honest with you through this internship and through the college that I went to. I if I, I learned anything, I learned exactly what not to become. 
Wow. Wow. So it sounds like that they started the whole process off with just guilt from the get go. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. And it, you know, I mean, it, it, just the fact that they had even added that extra portion of no one's ever like all 100% people have shown up. And then, you know, we, we, there's this room that we went into and one by one, like we all had a deadline and meet in there by like 10 PM, like after the 48 hours, 10 PM, we'd meet. And it was like this room and there was, you know, 40 chairs circling the whole room. And one by one, people would start trickling in. And then you're just like hoping, like you're kind of thinking, oh, I hope all 40 come. That way we, you know, we, you know, create a record or something like that. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? You're hoping. Or if you and- stay, you have that elitist mentality of you're better than the person that left. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, that year, all 40 people actually showed up. And so then the next thing that was said is there's never been. I'm so proud of everyone that showed up. This is the first time this has happened. But we've never had all 40, like all interns um, be still an intern by the end of the year. Like there's always someone who quits. So let's be that year where no one quits. And so then you have that like level of like, oh, shoot, like I don't want to be that person that ruins the, the streak, you know? In the ministry that, that I was in, it was called Don't Be the Weakest Link. That's what they would say to us. Do not be the weakest link. So now you're dealing with pressure from the people that are in charge of the group, and now you're dealing with an internal pressure, peer pressure from the people that are in the group with you, and then you've got your own uh, single solitary pressure that you put on yourself. That's a lot of pressure to carry. Oh, my yeah, gosh. And yeah, and I was going to mention, too, like now you get that encouragement from your spiritual leaders and that sense of pride and that, because that's, I remember that being one thing that I just craved is from anybody in a spiritual leadership position that you look up to for them to say, what did they say when you accepted it? I mean, if you would have said no, would they have said, I'm proud of you, look at you, look what you did by listening right. to God, or would you have only gotten that if you said yes? Right, exactly. And we'll ne- I'll never know because all of us showed up. And, you know, I will say there was one girl who actually ended up quitting and she quit uh, probably third quarter um, of the year. And I remember everyone was like, oh, my gosh, like what? She quit like, you know, yada, yada. And they did say, you remember, still love on her. She's still family. But like the reason why she quit is because she actually, you know, grew up group of, or she got close to a group of friends who weren't in the program and everyone thought that was like the worst thing for her. They're like, you can't be hanging out with people who aren't in the internship. And, you know, and I, and actually one of those people, one of those people were actually my husband, um, you know, and one of those people were also her now husband. Right. And so they were trying to like, and, and she wasn't doing anything inappropriate. She just had a group of friends that she clicked with that was outside of this internship. And I will definitely say like a lot of people always thought anyone that was in this internship because, you know, the interns still go to the college and everyone that went to the college would always joke around and call the internship a cult because we could only hang out with each other. And that was like it. Like it was like the end of the world if we hung out with anybody else. And, you know, yeah. (laughs) And so everyone would always joke around. Like even my husband jokes around about it all the time. He's just like, oh, you were part of the cult. I'm like, no, it wasn't, you know, but then when I think of the stuff I went through, yeah, I was. And so just a couple of the rules that uh, that were kind of interesting through this uh, process in this internship was like one, we weren't allowed to watch any TV. So no Hulu, no Netflix, no cable, no nothing. Uh, two, we weren't allowed to um, have which I, 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 we weren't allowed to have any like like we couldn't text guys after 8 p.m. or 10 p.m. Uh, three, we weren't allowed to have a relationship or have feelings for guys. Well, actually, we could have feelings for someone, but we couldn't tell anybody, like no one at all, including our leaders. Um, and uh, and then there, you know, if you're a female, there was like super strict dress code, which I'll get into in a second. Like, you know, we, you know, just like the finger, like your shorts had to be two inches above your knee. Um, You couldn't wear any tank tops. If you did wear a tank top, it had to be like, like, you know, four, four fingers thick on the top. 
and it had to be two or three layers. Um, if you wore like, uh, you know, like basket or not any kind of shorts, you always had to have leggings underneath it that went down to your knees. Um, there was a lot of different stuff. And, you know, I, and same thing with swimming. Like if we went swimming, you couldn't wear, like you couldn't even wear one, one piece swimsuits, but the men could wear whatever they wanted. Um, and when it comes to dress code, I can, again, I can understand to an extent, but what I will say when you have nine months, like here's, here's what I think of. They, they say that, you know, women need to dress modest. So men don't, you know, their brains don't go into like sexual provocative thoughts. Right. Um, but the problem was with all of this is you have, you know, 25 men for nine months who haven't seen a girl in a regular tank top, haven't seen a girl in a regular swimsuit, um, haven't seen a girl in regular shorts. So what do you think happened to them after this, after this whole thing was over? Well, and it's disgusting because they pin all of the men's problems on you. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's, that's ridiculous, especially from but, a male standpoint. That's ridiculous. Well, imagine as a male, imagine as a male, you don't see a female's body at all whatsoever what happens to you after nine months of not seeing a female think about it simple things tank tops think about it and then all of a sudden all these men get out of this internship they go out to the real world they go to the mall and now they are and i have tons of friends who have come to me i i had one friend particular he's phenomenal guy like one of the my best friends in that internship and he i I came, I, um, I saved him from killing himself because he felt like he was, um, you know, like the devil basically because he saw girls in like regular shorts and tank tops and he had all these seductive thoughts about them because he wasn't used to seeing them that he couldn't, wow. he untrained himself and couldn't control it. And he was like, I am the devil. I shouldn't be alive because I can't control my thoughts now because I haven't been able, I haven't trained myself now for nine months to control them. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? So, yeah. so that, you know, stuff like that was happening. And, you know, I will definitely say, you know, all of my friends who have gone through this internship my year and all my friends who I've met who have actually gone through the internship in past years, we all go, go call it, um, well, I won't say the name of the internship, but we call it the internship rehab. And there's tons of us when we leave it, there's tons of us who are still going through it now to this day where there's certain things like, I'll be honest, like today, um, I was like, wow, when's the last time I've gone tanning? And I went down to the pool because I'm out in Phoenix, Arizona, and I decided to tan. And yes, I was wearing appropriate clothing, but I was sitting there thinking, oh my gosh, can I do this? Am I allowed to do this? This is so bad of me. What am I doing? What if people walk by? What if people see me? What if, like, you know, I still have those thoughts where I can't even go to the ocean because I feel like I... I, you know, there's just all these things that you got ingrained for nine months. Yeah. You're, you're responsible for every male at wherever you go to think about how strong they are mentally. That's ridiculous. That's Yeah, yeah it, it is definitely, you know, it, it's super, it's super difficult. But, you know, one of the biggest things that I ended up going through um, in this internship was there was this, um, actually, it happened multiple times. I guess, I don't know. I might be a catch or something. Um, I thought I, I think I'm a really goofy looking female, but, you know, I guess there were a couple of guys who did have their eye on me and, you know, I'm just a genuinely nice person. I've always, you know, I've always really struggled having like friendships with females. Um, just a lot of the times there's just a lot of unnecessary drama that happened with them in high school. So I just was always a lot closer. You know, I had a lot of bros growing up and all that kind of stuff. I have a twin brother. So I'm just used to like, I'm like a tomboy, right? I'm a girly tomboy. and so. Anyways, but there were so many instances within the first month of being a part of this internship where people thought that I had feelings for a guy just because I was genuinely nice. Like, I'm not a flirt or anything like that. I'm just genuinely nice. Yeah. Like, I like to play football. I like to play in the mud. Like, I don't care, you know, about all that stuff, right? Um, and so, but there was this guy in particular, and we got along so well and I'll be honest like he caught my eye from day one um he actually wasn't even a part of the internship right away um we had met um him me and my group of friends we had met him and his group of friends 
And they all decided to join the internship because me and my group of friends. I don't know. Maybe we're an awesome girl gang. Who knows? Whatever. I'll take it. Um, <laughs> so, you know, they ended up joining the internship. And I actually really do. I fell hard for this dude. But I kept it to myself. And, you know, because that's the God way. Like, you can't have a relationship or anything. And you can't tell anyone, right? Um, and, but I thought that what the rule was, you can't tell your friends, but you tell the leader, right? Um, and so I went to the leader, uh, you know, the leader's wife, actually, and I told her, hey, there, I, I'm doing this because I, I, you know, we were told to tell you, but I, I really like this guy um, and I'm keeping it like chill. I'm just doing what you told me to do. And she looks at me. She's like, oh, no. I was like, what? She's like, I really wish you didn't tell me that. I was like, what do you mean? Oh, no. I was like, I thought I was supposed to. She's like, honey, the best way to get through this internship is to not tell anyone. Oh. And in my head, I'm already thinking, Whoa, hold on that's, a second. That's so big right there. Like, I'm the like, best way to get through this internship is to not tell anyone. That is so bizarre. Wow. I know. Like, when you actually think about that, it's like, wait a minute. Like, you're my leader. Why can't I tell you? Because if, if, it's, if it's a month two and I'm crushing hard on this guy and we're not supposed to date, I need to talk to someone to like cope through this. Like, you know what I mean? I need someone to talk to about my feelings. Right. And so, and me and this guy, we were such a goofy pair. Um, all this kind of stuff. We we're super funny, super similar, both musicians, both into soccer, both into all this stuff. Right. And, you know, turns out he actually, you know, had feelings for me too. Okay. And, uh, Fast forward, you know, you know, the intern start started in August. Fast forward to, I don't know, October. Uh, and, you know, we were walking home one night. Well, I was, okay, I, I was actually um, the director of photography at the church that was connected to this internship. And this uh, guy, he was, he just happened to be walking around the front of the property um, the church and the the housing we lived in are right like within like five minutes of each other, so it's walking distance. Now he was on the phone with like his grandma and walking around the property, and I was walking home from the church, and someone had saw us out there. Oh my gosh! And mind you, all I said is hi bye, okay? Wow. But a third year saw us out there, um, and basically reported us. Because little did I know, he went to his leader because we both swore we were supposed to do this, right? He went to his leader and he told his leader, hey, I have feelings for Mishaiah. And so um, a third year had seen us, a third year intern, had seen us uh, walking past beyond each other, whatever, and thought we were out sneaking out together. And this was basically the beginning of the end. I mean, it was just a complete nightmare. Um, I'm going to be honest, like, from there, we got pulled in. We got in trouble. I didn't even know necessarily he had feelings for me. Now, like, obviously, when you have feelings for someone and it's and you could tell when you're both vibing each other, like it's pretty obvious, uh, you know, and, uh, and he, I will say he was definitely a flirt. He he didn't really hide it, but he knew at the same time, like he would he poke holes. But, you know, it was kind of fun anyway. And how old were you? I was 18 and he was 19. It's ridiculous. Yeah, uh, maybe he just had turned 20, but, you know, and he uh, essentially they had pulled us in this meeting together. And that's when we both had realized, oh, we actually legit have feelings for each other. So now we know we have feelings for each other, but now we're getting cornered because of it. And when we thought we were both doing the appropriate thing and now we're getting targeted for all this stuff. Now, long story short, we got grilled up and down every day. I mean, we they had this. We were first years, there were second years, and then there were third years, right? So second years and third years were watching me and this guy like a hawk. I mean, we couldn't do, we couldn't even look at each other without one of them reporting it. Um, and I would tell these leaders over and over, hey, we're not doing anything inappropriate. We're not like into each other. We actually had to delete each other's phone numbers. Um, we had to unfollow each other on like Instagram and had to unfriend each other on Facebook um, because they were like, now that you guys know, and I'm like, well, we wouldn't have officially known if you didn't bring us together, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, over something that didn't actually happen, uh, you know, and 
it just turned into this hot mess. But what they didn't realize they were doing, they were cornering us into a hole that it actually le- led us to rebel. If that even oh, makes yeah, sense. Yeah. Now, I'll take full ownership for our, our decisions and stuff. But when everyone is cornering you and saying you're prideful, you're not humble enough, you're not listening to us. And I'm sitting here, I'm like, yo, we're trying to do everything right, but you guys are making this extra complicated. I mean, this guy was the only guy that let me use his car. No one, I didn't have a car at the time. I needed groceries. Me and my two best friends went to the grocery store. We used his car and, oh, that means, you know, he's mega in love with me and it's the end of the world, you know? Anyway, there's a lot of stuff that ended up going into so, this. So you but... described a little bit kind of like the trauma that you've experienced from, I'm sure you know the term purity culture. Um, even when you're simply just sunbathing, does it affect your relationship with people of the opposite sex today? Like, do you still yeah. struggle with worrying about doing something wrong? I definitely get weird. Um, sometimes like, you know, I, you know, I run a, you know, a couple of financial agencies and stuff like that. So there's like, there's guys that were training and I feel like I can't text them or I feel like I can't call them. Um, otherwise I'm being incredibly inappropriate um and all this stuff so i i always like you know there's there are definitely things in the back of my head but with that being said one last thing and and then you'll understand why i gave you all that background um they actually ended up campusing me and this guy and i don't know you want to oh you don't know what campusing means it means you get it means you get locked up in your apartment and you can't leave your apartment until they say you can what Oh my, oh my gosh. So, so they, they, they held you hostage. Well, essentially the situation ended up getting so crazy. Okay. That I ended up getting his number again and I, we were both texting and I was just like, yo, we got to talk this out because we haven't had any communication. And I'm like, we got to figure out what the heck is actually going on. So meet me here at this park at this time, and we're gonna hash this out and figure out what the crap is going on. Because I'm oh, hearing I'm one sure that thing. That went over well. Oh well, this is why we got campus. So, anyways, but you know, we you know we sat down and we were just talking like, what is what is going on on your end and what is going on on my end? You know, and obviously we were like, yeah, I have feelings for you. I have feelings for you too. Blah blah blah. Yeah, we did definitely kiss for the first time at that moment. Totally wrong, I know, but. You know, after that conversation, though, we ended up going to our leaders and we we're like, OK, we need to talk about what's going on because what's happening is not OK. And, you know, obviously at that point, there was something that happened between us, but they were just like, oh, wait, you guys talked. Oh, there was no supervision. Oh, OK, you're campus. And so we we're like, wait, was this in your long? contract that you signed going in? No, the possibility of being no, campus. I didn't even, so I legally, didn't even know what campus was. So, so, so we, legally, they probably didn't have the right to do that, did they? No, my mom thought this was insane. Like, she literally thought this was insane. Um, and, you know, we couldn't leave our apartment unless we were getting, well, we had to ask permission to get groceries. And we had to be supervised to get groceries. Um, and then on top of that, uh, the only time I could leave was whenever I did, you know, <laughs> internship or free labor for the church um, and uh, school. And that was it. And I was campus from October until the like middle of January. You have got to be kidding! You, you got to understand. That's a long this time. Is, this is like Scientology cult craziness here. This, this I've I've heard a lot in church stuff, but this is the first time I've heard this. And this is this a very well-known, prominent church that most yes. people I feel like would not like. This is a church that if you say the name a lot. Of, of other churches in the whole United States, even around the world, would know this church. Yep. And from oh, the yeah. inside, because Joseph and I have been there a couple times, and you would never, you would never know. But when you're in that culture, when you're raised in that environment of being in the church, stuff like this almost seems normal because I guess it's just that crazy. Well, what's crazy is we decided to not go to this church because it happens to be in the region that we studied in. Um, we decided against going to this church because it resembled too much of our church back in Tennessee. Not because we had a problem with our church in Tennessee that was our source of spiritual abuse at the time, but because we were so prideful we wanted to go to somewhere cooler so we could bring the cool back to this church. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
it's very interesting how similar the cultures there are. Can you describe the church culture um, versus the intern culture or how that kind of flows a little bit? Because I know they're really big into like speaking life and stuff like that. And how do they spiritualize this behavior, I guess is what I'm asking. Well, it's very interesting because I feel like almost like the internship was like it's within its own thing. Like I'll definitely say if the pastors or even the founder of this church, you know, knew about what was going on, it there's no way it would slide. Like there's there's literally no way. But there's also a potential that it would have because they're like, well, you did break the rules. And it's like, well, I you pushed me to rebellion, though, because it was such a crazy experience beforehand. We had no idea what was going on that we had to do. You know what I mean? Just X, Y, Z. So I the church itself. Well, that's a that's another story. I was like I said, I was on staff there for, you know, a year. And, uh, you know, I actually went to this church uh, for two years when I was in middle school. Then I moved back to Minnesota. Then I went back to this church again. And I'll definitely say, like, it's interesting because I was on staff at that school and I went back to Minnesota to actually take uh, to do a photo shoot for one of their books that they were selling that was by the founder of this church. Okay, And, um, you know, and I was super honored to because it's a very known book. And I was so excited that my work was going to be on this cover and this revamp of this book. Well, I find out on the way home that my office was cleared out and people were wondering, hey, where should I put your stuff? I'm like, what do you mean, where should you put my stuff? Oh, well, you don't know? And I'm like, what do you mean I don't know? Oh, well, your office is getting cleared out and uh, XYZ person's taking over it. No way. Oh, my goodness. Oh, what? (laughs) Like, hold on a second. What are you talking about now? Um, You know, and the person that ended up taking over my our office, he's like, he's one of the closest people in our, in our lives. And he didn't even know what was happening, which by the way, this is one of the sons of this church that we went to. And he didn't even understand. He actually, like I got to the church and all this stuff and into our offices and he sat me down. He was, had tears in his eyes. He's like, Mashiah, I am so sorry. They demoted me and didn't even tell me they, you know, they replace your income with someone else or bring someone in completely different. And they're revamping this because they started this. If I say the name of the campaign, everyone would know. But they started. And this is campaign. when you were working at the church. This is when I was working at the church. So, you know, I mean, it was just the culture at the church. When you're first there, it feels very homey. You know, it feels like you're anyone's accepted. And all this stuff. So I, I think a typical churchgoer um, would enjoy being there. But the deeper you get, that's when things start unraveling and the truths really start coming out. I guess. You will find that in almost all the churches out there, like especially your larger uh, word of faith, charismatic Non-denom. churches. Yeah, they, they, there's... It, there's a certain amount with the brand and the appearance and the way things need to look and the way things need to run. And I'm not sure if I agree with your one assessment where you said the leaders of the church wouldn't know about the campusing because that stuff usually comes from the top down. I'm, I'm still, my mind is blown by that because yeah. that is so freaky and people don't understand that things like this. And we're not talking about something that happened 30 years ago. Mm-mm. I mean, good gracious. Well, I'm I guess, so sorry that happened I guess you know you what? Too. You're right, because I wasn't the first person campused. I mean, this is like a known thing. And one of the, actually, to be honest, and one of the old um, housing units that they use for this, you know, they're just apartment buildings. Um, there was a, a couple girls who were campused, and they actually, um, they um, dug, a, like they carved a hole through their closet <gasps> into their like the neighbor's closet door, right? And then they were dead dead serious, dead serious. Shawshank. Like dead serious. Um, This is like a legendary story that we would hear about. So like, and they they carved a hole, you know, it was hidden behind like a dresser or something. So none of the leaders knew about it until they officially moved out. Um, But in order to like leave, you know, the, their apartment unit, (laughs) they would go through this hole. Oh my gosh. And, um, (laughs) 
and leave their you know friends you know apartment that's, that's crazy so we we eddie and i particularly have done a lot of research on if you're not comfortable using the word cult or culty we use the term high control group um that, that's also another term and, and this high control groups they, and they, I think that would qualify as a high control group. Oh, absolutely. They they feel <laughs> entitled to control every aspect of your life, yes. even down to your emotions, like like you were saying. And and they treat you as if you are a slave, especially an internship, which is that concept of treating internships that way is so foreign to the business space. Granted, interns get paid much less, but at least they're paid and they're respected as human beings like right. they're not expected to like if do you slave think about labor it, like that. if you're going to intern at a magazine organization or even at a law firm and be an apprentice or something you're getting it's like a it's a paid position you're not you paying know? to right. be there yeah. you're not paying to be there right and 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 your voice matters they'll listen to you if you right. have ideas exactly which is absolutely which, oh. which here if you had a voice you're being prideful unless it's what they want to hear so it's, you know, it was very interesting. And just as like an example, actually earlier, before we had started this podcast, you had asked like, did you experience any type of, it was that M word. What was that M word you said? Misogyny. Thank you. Yeah. So you would ask that. And I just remembered this one situation that happened while we were being campus and it was Super Bowl weekend. Oh, so this must've been all the way up in February. Okay. Yeah. It was like Super Bowl weekend. And we, um, they had, there was, you know, actually, so just so you know, it was me and one of my girlfriends who were campus and then, and then the guy that she was talking to and, um, the guy that I was, you know, obviously I liked, you know, we were all camp. So there was four of us that were campus and we were known as like the, the five. There was, I had one best friend who was supposed to spy on us, by the way, found this out afterwards. So she's spying on us. She feels like she has to do it, um, you know, and, you know, she felt that pressure to spy on us and she had to report everything that I had said. If I'm texting this guy, if my other friend is texting the guy that she liked, like my friend, you know, best friend in the world, maid of honor at my wedding had to spy on us. And she felt that mm. she had she didn't want to, but she felt like, well, that's what they're saying. And God has me here. Now, this leads me to this this, you know, football weekend or whatever. And. Um, the guys had asked if they could go somewhere to watch football. And they were approved to go watch football. Me and my best friend and this other girl, which my best friend and this other girl, they were in, an, in another apartment, and then I was completely alone in my own apartment, just so you know. So I didn't even have anyone. Um, well, we wanted to have a worship night. They said no to me and my girls, but they said yes to the guys. Oh my goodness, really? And in my head, I'm thinking, are you kidding? Why? So they can watch football, but we can't have a worship night? Isn't that the Christian thing to do? Wow, that's bizarre. And I'm like sitting in this apartment all by myself. And I'm like, are you, are you kidding? Well, you can worship on your own. Well, they can watch football on their own. They have cell phones. Yeah. So you moved from Minnesota to come intern at this place. So there had to be some conditioning because you didn't grow up at this place there had to be some conditioning to make you um convince yourself that this behavior is okay or to kind of like give them the benefit of the doubt and allow you to stay as long as you did what did they do to condition you spiritually to accept this behavior or endure this behavior at least honestly i literally just go back to the first 48 hours i mean the wow. first two weeks that you know the trial run you know they um every morning we have like every morning, every day, there was like a, a five to seven minute long devotional. Okay. And then after that five to seven minute devotional, you were supposed to have your own five to seven minute devotional. And then you're supposed to report to all of your other roommates and the same apartment, what you learned. Okay. Now the first two weeks, they pretty much said that like everything had to do with humility and pride, like everything, man. And so, so I they conditioned think, you from the very beginning. Yes, yes. To convince you you're prideful. Correct. I mean, I, I, I can't, I can't stand the word prideful. I'll never like call anyone prideful, or any. I'll never use that word anymore because I just can't. It makes me want to puke because I. Yeah, got... that's. Go ahead. That's how I feel about the word shame. I, w I won't use the word shame anymore 
because of what was put on me when I, when I, when I went through and, and when I left, I just, it's a word that's not in my vocabulary anymore because I cannot do that to other people because I know how it made me feel. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's a huge thing. I mean, you come up to them for a concern. Oh, you're not humble enough to listen to my advice. You and know, you have to honor them. As I mean, how many times you're have we been told we were Yeah. That's ridiculous. Oh my goodness. So yeah. what was, so you were, you went through the internship. You actually worked on staff for a time. What was the last thing that was kind of like the straw that broke the camel's back where you're like, I'm done, I'm out of here. I can't take Oh, it. this is the point where I always say in every podcast, there's never one thing. It's a culmination of a bunch of things. But finally, it's the final, final thing that you just said, that's it, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. Well, you guys, there's actually, like, like I said before, there's so much. But we'll say that the final, final thing, um, well, one, I should have quit that internship right away. I shouldn't have I shouldn't have dealt with any of that. But I'll definitely say the final, final, final thing when it came to like, you know, that type of Christianity and that type of way would have been 36 hours before, you know, this now the year later, this is a year later, I went to the call, just the college, I quit the internship, I went to just the college. Um, and it was like, you know, 36 hours before our graduation. And I was told by the, what do you call them? Assistant president, the, what is it? The president of school. And then there's the assistant or, you know, president of school or whatever. Um, I was told by him that I was the biggest mistake that ever walked through the doors. And he screamed oh at me. My oh my. Oh yeah. Guys, gosh. I'm telling you, there's so much stuff. And this year I actually didn't do anything wrong. I didn't sneak out with a boy. <laughs> I was actually dating Adam. So, um, but, you know, and I could date if I wanted to. But, yeah, there. that was the final thing where I was just like, I'm done with this place and the way you treat people. Um, and I just, I can't do it anymore. And all it was was actual, I just got done saying I'll never use the word pride. His, the guys, you know, the this pre- president, vice president's, wife was the one who was dealing with her own pride issues um, like real ones and she was intimidated by me I think I'm not sure that she created like this huge theory that I was trying to overtake her her class and her students and all this stuff and I was just trying to go to school like and and try to keep my head down um but everyone just gravitated towards me and she got jealousy issues um and uh yeah um ended up that there's a whole lot of stuff that happened with that it got physical to a point and you know it just it was pretty intense and got screamed wow, at oh it got physical that's crazy it did get physical oh yeah oh my goodness yep. so where are you at today spiritually how has this affected your walk with god how has this affected your faith um wh- what are you like today um today i am i'm like super chill um you know i'll definitely say for a while I was like, I literally want nothing to do with churches. I don't want to really be involved in anything. I know that what happened was not God. Like, I know there's a lot of people that could blame God or get really, you know, distant with God, but I knew it wasn't like him. Like, I knew these were just corrupt people in the church that got power hungry, you know, and, you know, just treated it like a cult, right, to be honest with you. Uh, and so me and God, like I always call him my homie, like we're still good. Uh, everything's fine. I'll definitely say like, it's been like, I miss being able to like lead worship on a stage without feeling like I'm a part of that type of organization again. Like, I mean, I, you know, a group of, uh, my friends and I, you know, I had, I had a couple of friends who actually decided to start a church for a re like reason similar to this everything there's a lot of corrupt churches and I was my husband and I were asked to help out with that church and so we were able to um you know I think get some healing through that you know my husband never went through it but he watched it all happen um and so it was super crazy for him but I'll definitely say when we were launching this church um this urban church it definitely like helped me realize wow there can be other approaches that are actually real and organic when it comes to Christianity and God. And so if it wasn't for that, who knows where I'd be (laughs) with this whole walk. 
But I'll definitely say I'm not really plugged into an actual church. I mean, I see a lot of different mega churches and stuff like that. And I just like can't because I'm like, I don't feel like wasting my energy on going to a place like that and just finding out it's all the same. I mean, there's so many churches now. They're all the same. And at the end of the day, my relationship is between me and God. And I'm just going to roll with that until I find a place that I can call home. It's like the most uncomfortable but comfortable feeling at the same time, especially if you've always grown up or you've spent a significant part of your life and of church with that type of atmosphere because it is so comfortable and people are for the most part very loving and you feel very close because people do care about you and like you said I mean with them campusing you that's caring about you to an extreme extent well, to where they have to control people. you that 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 moves beyond caring. well you know what I mean yeah. but you still have that you have that attention you have a group of people that are giving you that attention and you have a group of friends that are very close whether things have manipulation and things behind them or they're using you you still have that and you're in that environment and a lot of times those environments can be very comfortable I've found so that's been one of the hardest things for me coming out of that and having your relationship with God on your own having that worship time with God on your own and kind of going through that deconstructive process, if you will, and understanding what, because society has painted this picture of the church for us and understanding that it doesn't have to be that way. And a lot of the times too, I feel like the biggest thing that I really struggle with now is, you know, like I said, like God and I, I'm I'm fortunate because I know a lot of people will like, complete I'll be honest a lot of people that go through this internship they go from hey I love Jesus to like completely like atheist agnostic like completely full I mean like it's I mean I don't I only know a few people where they've continued their relationship with God after that internship it's Um, traumatic it is very traumatic and and so with that being said like for me it's a lot of the like day-to-day stuff like what am I wearing? How can I talk on the internet? How can I, like, it's, there's just so many insecurities that, like, like I said today, simple example of like going down to the pool and tanning. I told Adam and I'm like, I literally told him this today. I can't believe I still have trauma. It's been three years and I still have trauma that I am the worst person in the world for wearing a one piece swimsuit. (laughs) Right. Like, I just, you know, there's just so many things now that I just feel like I can't do. Uh, And I realize, wait, I can do that. There's nothing wrong with me doing X, Y, Z. And so that's definitely probably the biggest struggle that I still am, like, decompressing. And you don't realize it because nine months of blocking everything out and being trained and conditioned this one way, it's just, I mean, it's insane how I've lived my entire life doing whatever Mishaya wants to do. But then nine months of my life somehow has completely like ripped out who I was before and has tainted who I am now. And that's just something that I'm having to like, you know, deconstruct and and rebuild as situations come. So my my wife is going to be doing an upcoming podcast with us and she's just waiting for the right time because it's been hard on her for what we've been through. And you say nine months for us, it was 29 years. So it's something, but she's already come up with the title of her podcast and it's going to be exactly what you just said. She's going to call it identity theft Mm -hmm. because she, both of us completely lost who we were. You know, my, I lost my sense of humor. I lost my ability to connect with people. I lost my purpose. And I was just told what to do. And if I didn't do it the right way in the right time in the way that they expected it to be done, I got in trouble. And I'm like, here I was, a 50-year-old man getting in trouble, called into meetings. Why didn't you do this? You should have done it this way. And you're like, it, it just absolutely tears away at your persona and your identity. So uh, let me say this. I used to be on staff at a Bible college. So let me say to you, I apologize for what you went through. Um, you know, I, 
I think when people start off with those things, they have good hearts, but something happens. And I'm sure the people that held you accountable uh, wrongly were getting directions from somebody above and they were trying not to get in trouble. And it's this vicious cycle that just turns something that's supposed to be about pure Christian love into this cog organization that just runs people over and in some cases destroys their life. So I apologize. Yeah, thank you. That means a lot. I mean, it gets like super like it's so interesting how it it really does start from the top and it trickles its way down. And, you know, they they had gone to this point. I mean, let's be honest. I ended up dating that guy from IMT ended really nasty. It wasn't the greatest (laughs) ending. And I went through a really hard time with that. And through that, me being sad, they thought I was like demonically um, oppressed and they didn't want me worshiping on stage. And, you know, the the leader of our team, because we had weekly worship days where we would lead worship because I was in a worship track. And the leader of the team actually told me that I was supposed to, I was designated to work on this part of the team. And that's where and she just didn't like that people came to me naturally. And so they started saying, you know, that it, it just turned into this mess. I ended up getting sick. I hit my head on a pillar from passing out, had a concussion, didn't know about it, was passing out in class because and all this stuff. And, you know, they ended up getting upset with me because I was being a distraction to the school. Um, because I was walking around with a concussion, did not know it, right? Uh, Hannah's probably like, ah, because you're a nurse and everything. You're probably thinking through this, you know? Um, And then eventually I, you know, had to stay home because I was like, I have to like, you know, we found out that I had a concussion. I stayed home. Um, the, The wife calls me and says, why aren't you at school? We need you for worship. And I said, I have a concussion. I can't be there. She got upset that I didn't communicate with her. She calls her husband, who's the president or the vice president of the school, right? His, he calls me and he tells me that I'm getting expelled from the school because I'm clearly not taking it seriously. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I have a concussion. You're telling me that I'm being a distraction to the school. So I stay home. I stay home and now you're telling me I'm getting expelled. Well, you have like you're coming in tomorrow. We'll do your papers. We'll do your papers and make it final then. I'm like, what in the world? And then that's when I found out, like, what in the world is going on? You know, ended up finding out this that this lady forgot she told me that I was supposed to take this leadership position that she gave me and said in front of the entire team, by the way. She had forgotten she had told me all of that. So she was building up this theory that I was trying to take over this team. Plus, I was passing out because I was walking around with a concussion. And they're their ultimate decision was, we think there's something demonic going on with you. So we can't have you leading worship because you're, you're, you know, uh, what do you call that? You know, not listening to authority. And you're also going through all this weird stuff. Rebellious. Yes, rebellious. They're calling it rebellion. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then on top of that, not only did they affect that at the college, but they called up the church and said, hey, she can't be on the stage or anything and created mm. this whole storyline and plot and, like, all of this stuff. I mean, it got really nasty. Uh, and I just, I knew, my mom got super livid about this. She actually wrote a very gnarly letter to the church about it, and I actually told her to stop because I knew that, hey, you know what? If what hap- what these two people did to me gets out, it will destroy their lives and their livelihood. And they have two kids but they have two kids and I love those kids to like to death. Like I love their kids so much. Their, their youngest son was a little brother to me. And I said, you know what? Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give them grace. I'm going to be merciful to them because I know God's going to handle it. And my mom was like, what? You're crazy. Like (laughs) they laid their hands on you. They screamed at you and said you were the biggest mistake that ever went through the school. And I was like, I understand that mom, but I know that like God's not going to let this keep happening and he's going to take care of it. Well, then, you know, a few weeks later, they actually got removed from the school. Mm. And I just knew I'm like, all right, this is and I, you know, he had come to me a few months later and had the nerve to like talk to me. And I was just like, I don't even want to look at you, but I'll I'll kill you with kindness right now. (laughs) You know what I mean? Mm. Uh, And 
And he basically apologized to me. And I'm like, I'll be honest, your apology doesn't really mean anything to me. Just take this as your second chance and don't mess it up. Because they know, they know what they could have done, like what I could have done to their life. They know. And I said, prove your apology by never doing this to anyone again. And now they actually ended up leaving the ministry. They're not even in the ministry and all this stuff. And now, you know, they sure know what they did was wrong. And I, you know, again, like their lives could be ruined by the things that I say that, you know, could have could happen or that they did to me and all that stuff. But God took care of it. And that's really God taking care of it, in my opinion, not. Yeah. You know, and 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 so. But yeah, it, it can be super gnarly. But yeah, thanks for that. I know it's. Again, I know it's just corrupt people, not corrupt God, you know? And so, but yeah. So a quick question. Oh, oh, I have a question first. In in the course of anything, did anyone ever say that you had the spirit of Jezebel? Oh, yeah. Yes. Multiple times. Welcome to the club. I just want to let you know, all of us have also been said that we have the spirit of Jezebel. Well, at this point, Jezebel might as well be my homegirl with how many times they say that. (laughs) Like, like, sure, I'll kick it with you, girl. Like, at this point, I mean, clearly we got something in common. No, I'm just totally kidding. I'm sorry. I'm sarcastic. But but seriously, with how much they said it, I was like, well, mine as well. (laughs) Right? Because that's how often it was, and it messes with your mind. It Mm -hmm. does. So last question I have, unless Hannah has another question after me. for someone in a similar situation that's kind of having that struggle, probably listening to this and going, I'm in a similar situation, but I feel like I'm called by God to endure this level of abuse. Um, uh, what are some red flags besides what you already mentioned that you can encourage people to look out for who are in internships or on staff um, to consider and to pray about? That's good. Figure out how to word this specifically. But, I mean, God is never going to put you through a situation where there's a level of abuse. Like, he's not, that's not, that's not him. Like, he doesn't want you to go through that. And if you, at any point, have to think about this. Oh, one second. I think my um recording stopped. Okay, no, we're good. If at any point you have to think to yourself, Am I supposed to be here and is it supposed to hurt this deeply? And like, okay, well, gosh, see, again, I don't know how to even like think like how to word this because it's such a complex feeling that you feel because here's what I'll say. If you have to constantly make an excuse for why you're there, you probably don't need to be there. That's good. And you just got to be willing to put your foot down and do what's best for you. I should have left that internship. I probably should have left that college. I shouldn't, I should have stopped, but I feel like God put me in that position so I can tell my story for people who are going through it. And I know that's such a cliche thing that a lot of us Christians use, but I know that the spiritual abuse is such a huge thing. And so I think that's what it is. If you have to make an excuse on why you're there. You probably shouldn't be there. I think any pastor will always tell you, well, the pastor that we were under that was spiritually abusive to our family would say all the time, if you are in an abusive relationship, get out. Yep. Like they would tell you point blank, get out. Like they know the right things to do, but it's it's the process of recognizing it as abusive. And like you said, recognizing that God does not want us under that to teach us a lesson and to understand that we are worth more than that. Yes. And that like, there's no there's no lesson worth learning to be under that. It's super interesting too cuz it's like man, like it's just such a deep complex you don't even like realize it's happening when you're there. But you know what? Here's what I would say. Go to a counselor who's not a Christian counselor, go to a regular counselor, tell them what you're going through, tell them what you're going through. And then they will respond. And then you will know. I think that's probably one of the best ways 
Because if it's not okay in the real world, it ain't okay in the Christian world. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, like, like I said, like my mom over and over, like, imagine if I went to a counselor or even a police officer and told them I was campus for three months. What do you think they would say? That's not normal. It's not the phrase that everybody kept telling us too. Like that is not normal. And I feel like you have to hear that over and over and over again for it to get in your head. Like this is not normal. This is not normal. You know, they had actually sent me to um, this amazing, amazing organization. I loved this lady with everything in me. She's a, she's a counselor. And they had actually sent me to this counselor. Cause again, I was like (laughs) Jezebel, (laughs) you know, whatever. Um, they had sent me to her and I was, you know, dealing with all this demonic stuff, yada, yada, whatever you want to call that. Um, and she had told me this is not normal. Like she was like, I, she, and it's like, she knew about the spiritual abuse that was happening in the church, but she didn't know how to handle it. And she was like, look, here's what I'm going to do. We're just going to chill and we're going to kick it here. And I'm going to tell them what they want to hear. Cause I feel like you just need to have a normal person in your life. And that should have been enough of a red flag for me. That was someone in the Christian community who was telling me this was crazy. And I still didn't have like the guts to stand up for myself because of the first 48 hours of that internship. Yeah. And I actually, what you said of going to a counselor outside the church is just straight up wisdom because I did that. You know, when I left the church, I had to get another job because I was employed by the church. Well, yeah. And and, and in addition to that, I, I mean, I was diagnosed with PTSD from what I'd been through. Yep. Uh, and it was just, Crazy. I have a question for you. Did you ever have dreams about still being in the internship or being at the church? Did you have any kind of dreams? I didn't have dreams about the internship or church, but it was more like things that they ingrained in my brain that I struggled with. And I would dream about it. And then I'd wake up with like anxiety. Yeah. If that because you're somehow responsible for what you dream. Yeah. Hmm. Or like, you know, if I, <laughs> this is kind of funny, <laughs> but okay. For example, when I was growing up, I did detasseling and, you know, I don't know if you know what detasseling is, but it's basically like pulling seeds out of corn. You go up and down these cornfields and all this stuff. And if you, it's, it's kind of like when you're on the waves, right? You go on an ocean and you're on the waves for a while. You get back into bed and you feel like you're still in the waves. Same thing with detasseling. You feel like you're pulling corn, okay? It's, it's super weird. So, but you know what I'm talking about with at least the wave analogy, right? Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, you feel, good. You lay I'm, in bed, I'm flowing with you. Yeah, you lay in bed and you feel like you're still like on the waves. Same thing would happen with, you know, the internship in the church, okay? I mean, you know, you, you feel like, you're dreaming, but you're dreaming this, you're reliving like this nightmare of how bad of a person you are. I mean, you know, beyond the internship, they even had my best friend, who is also my roommate, spy on me after the internship too, this time a different organization, right? So there was constantly eyes on me. And so I didn't know. So yeah, I was basically living a nightmare of what do I do right? And what do I do wrong? Can I do anything right? You know, and my husband like really saved me from all that. You know, he's my be- he was my best friend, and he basically, I got to process with someone that I could trust that wasn't implanted in my life as a spy, right? Which I know oh. my best friend didn't want to do it, but it was that same mentality. I, you know, she says she's sorry all the time now that she did it, but it's that same mentality that she has. I understand why she did it because she felt like she had to. Um, but yeah, anyway, so. It- and also in that culture, when it, it, just to kind of let you know, uh, go a little bit deeper, and this will be the last thing I say and we'll wrap it up, is that it's not so much that they're asked to spy, it's the kudos and attaboys and attention and praise they get when they come back with information. And when you've got a spiritual leader who is feeding that, like it's almost like... Like from the very re- beginning, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's, re- it's rewarding them and, and it's, it's something else. Right. I mean, they literally had meetings together, like weekly meetings. All right, person, come in my office. Let's talk about what you observed with Mashiah this week. Wow. Unbelievable. Yeah. Well, I think 
Mishaya, I think, thank you so much for sharing your story and just being open and vulnerable. And I'm sure that we could talk for hours and hours and hours of what you experience. Cause man, that, like Eddie said, I, I've heard a number of stories, but I don't think I've come in contact with a story that jarring and that, um, culty, honestly. Um, and just, just want to validate you that that's not okay. And the trauma you're experiencing is real trauma and you don't have to accept the mentality of I'm not going to be a victim. I'm going to be a victor. Yeah. You know, you, you, you were a victim for nine months plus and that's okay. You were wronged and it takes real healing and time to do that. And, you know, we commend you for how you've responded to it, but we're, we're really thankful you took the time to share your story on here. I really believe it's going to help a lot of people. I really Yeah, do. Mm-hmm. thanks for, for asking me. And I just want to say for anyone who is going through a similar situation, don't be afraid to stand up for yourself. And that might not look like, you know, going to that person specifically and, you know, telling them off. It might just be you making a decision, even if it's in quiet and you just, you leave. You know, you got to, at the end of the day, you got to do what's best for you. And that's okay. Like, God knows what was, what is, and what is to come. Like, it's not like, like if you leave whatever internship or church that you're in, it's not like he's going to be like, oh, what? So-and-so left? No way. Like, you know what I mean? He's not going to be shocked by or like, it. Or like you're in a plan B or C or D for your life. The weight right. of the world is not on your shoulders. It's not. Like, your life is okay. My friend who quit the internship, She's got an amazing family. She ended up marrying the man of her dreams. She's got a baby now. And I mean, she's so happy. But you could say that, oh, quote unquote, she went against God's will. Well, if she went against God's will, why is her life turning out so beautiful? It's because God already knew what she was going to do. It takes more faith to step out of these organizations and live a humble life than to be in them. Yes. Yeah. And so um, that's just my two cents. Do what's best for you and just put your foot down. It might feel uncomfortable. It might be terrifying, but you just got to do what's best for you at the end of the day because God's got your back. You don't, you don't need people. You don't need organizations. You don't need any of that. You need you and God, you know? Exactly. And so. That's, that's really good. I think that's a good place to end on for a lot of people to think. Um, Eddie, is there any last words or remarks? Who do you want to close out? I uh, campusing. I'm going to, I probably won't be able to sleep tonight. I've just, I've just <laughs> absolutely blew my mind. Yeah. I, I just think you've, you think you've heard it all and then boom, campusing. And, and trust me, I've heard a lot, but that's the first time I've heard that. So there you go. Yeah, it's not fun. I wouldn't recommend it to anyone. Thanks. <laughs> so don't campus uh, anyone. Okay, Eddie. No, I'm just kidding. That's, that's good advice we can all take. Well, um, Thanks, everybody, for listening to the Spiritual Abuse Podcast. We hope that this episode made you think. Um, as always, feel free to contact us at Twitter at abuse underscore podcast. Send us an email at the spiritual abuse podcast at gmail.com. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, leave us a review. Um, we read those. We care about those. If you're on YouTube, comment, like, subscribe, um, hit the notification bell. We're, we're not in this to grow a big mega empire. Join our cult today. <laughs> we're not in that. We just care about you. We want to hear your story. We want to validate you. We want to hear what's going on. And that's why we're so passionate about this. So if you in any form can leave us um, how this podcast is affecting you, that would be a big blessing to us. So be blessed. Have a great day and we'll see you next week.